The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. When you're there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's Word. Okay, thank you. Some people ask me, why do I, I read off of this in here? Be- because if I read out of here, I've got to put my eyeballs on. I print it bigger on here. <laughs> so, anyway. John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. As he, that is Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. So he said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Anybody ever heard that before? And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus answered them, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Slaves do not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You may be seated. Now, we're, we're going to cover through all the way through the rest of the chapter today, but I'm not going to read that all. Um, there, there's a, just a theme that runs throughout this particular parochopy, and that, that is truth obviously, and it actually appears in here uh, nine times. That doesn't include the other, that doesn't include the two times he says truly, truly. Okay. And, and then the, the uh, concept, or particularly the word. There's seven times, but Jesus many times says, what I say. Do you believe what I say? Do you hear what I say? I didn't include those, but the main theme here is truth and Christ's word. There are only two speakers in this section. Jesus and, as it says here, the Jews who had believed in him. Now, this is going to be hard for some of you. When I say that, you're nodding. But when Jesus tells these people that believed him that their father is Satan, we go, what? There's no other people speaking the Jews who believed speak as, as like as if it was one voice, like when he says, when the crowd said, all right, or the Pharisees said, all right. So, but those are the only two people interacting in this section. So that, that does bring up several issues. I would say key verses are 31 and 32 and 53 and 58. 53, this is well then. Who do you say you are, basically? And he answers that, before Abraham was, I am, ego ami. All right, those, those are vital. But I want to begin with a little bit of an illustration. Tim and I have been in Cambodia a f- few times, and you could go to these shops in the big city, and, and this shop might be a phone shop, this shop might be a shop for luggage and purses, and between them is the logo shop. 
You can go over here and buy a generic phone, walk over here and buy an Apple logo. You can go over here, buy a purse, come over here and buy the logo for that brand purse. I don't know purse brands. Maybe the ladies could help me that. Okay? Um, you, you, can mark, you can get knockoffs, if I could say it like that. Is that the right term? You know, for just about anything. Okay? It, it's, it's not real. Sort of like most of the pictures you see on the Internet. I did this for fun fake or real, and they show you these photographs, is this a real photograph or has it been faked? Ooh, that's tough to tell, okay? Um, and I think the, the, the authentic versus, in the case of the purses and the phone, the authentic versus the nominal. That is in name only. It has that Apple sticker. It has that Calvin Klein sticker. It has that Chanel sticker, but it's in name only, Okay, the authentic versus the nominal. I want you to consider that as we go on. In verse 30, and many believed in him. Many Jews believed in him. I would suggest to you they're nominal. Otherwise, their father wouldn't have been Satan. Now, we've heard this expression before, many believed in him or entrusted to him, back in chapter 2, over in chapter 6, okay? But he goes along and says, but Jesus didn't trust these guys at all. Yeah, they believed, but he wasn't, he wasn't putting any stake in that. So, so there's some sense of this believing that's going on that is not, I'm going to put it this way, authentic. And we'll talk about that later okay so this belief that it starts with here by the time you get to the end of this section they want to stone him their belief quickly fades it's sort of like seed thrown yeah okay um the question they stumble over is Christological, that is, about Christ, what Christ says about himself, who he is. That's where they hit the wall. He's saying all kinds of things, and he's okay with it, but, but when he goes to, I, they just can't do it. So many believed in me, and Jesus says to the Jews that believed in him, Okay, I know you say you believe, but let me tell you something. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If is a conditional conjunction. I think we all know that. But in this case, it's a condition of attestation. That is evidence of a condition or state. Let me put it this way. Okay, if you get a bullseye eight out of ten times, you are an expert marksman. Right, Bob? <laughs> he shoots that way. If you have a Y chromosome, you are a male. Doesn't matter what you believe. The condition of maleness has some evidence that is a Y chromosome. The, okay, the condition of being an expert marksman has evidence of being able to hit the bullseye most of the time. In this particular case, I would suggest to you it's an attribute 
uh, that is inherent or intrinsic to the nature of the thing being spoken of. Just like a Y chromosome is intrinsic, it's inherent of maleness. You can't have maleness and not have a Y chromosome. No matter how many surgeries you have, it doesn't change your chromosomes, okay? Abiding in Jesus' word is inherent or intrinsic attribute of being one of his disciples. Okay, now, my analogy of the chromosome, because it is the Y chromosome, that brings about the male features we would see on the outside, and the way the brain works, because they do break, work differently. Okay? But I want you to note, he says, abide in. Not know, abide in. To live in, to dwell in, to make your home in, to continue in, to remain in, to not depart from. Those are all the meanings of this word throughout Scripture. That is, normal or customary state of being a Christian is this. This is where you're at home. Okay? It is a defining attribute of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, this is not just some academic pursuit of truth in general. It is living it, breathing it, abide in it. Not just read it. Not just having a head knowledge of it. it, it, it it's the place you live. It's, it's, it's your modus operandi. It's your MO. That's short. Now, then it goes on and says, and, another conjunction. But here it's telling us a connecting result. Intrinsic to being a disciple is abiding in the word, and let me give you the result of that. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, you've see, I've seen that all kinds of places. I just wish they'd put it in the context. What is it that brings about this knowledge of truth, this truth that sets you free, is being a disciple and abiding in his word. Okay? But I want you to note one thing. It does assume this. There is such a thing as truth. Now, there was a day you didn't think we'd have to say that. Okay? Just, just go online right now and do, is there such a thing as truth? Is there absolute truth? However you want to say it, and watch what happens. There are things that exist independent of anyone's beliefs or linguistic gymnastics. Whether you believe it or not, there's a sun in the sky. Well, that's your truth. I don't believe there's a sun in the sky. Well, then go outside and don't get sunburned. Your belief has nothing to do with the fact that you're going to fry out there or fry down there, even if you don't believe in it. Things exist outside of your brain tissue. Um, are there things that are unambiguously false and true? Now, there was a day... When, 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 a, when we believed if you were an apple, if this thing was an apple, probably today you are an apple, um, if this is an apple, it's not an orange. It's not a banana. 
It's not a truck tire. Okay? This means this antecedent is false. There was a day we believed that. I, uh, during vacation, I was reading Francis Schaeffer. He's got several books along this, this line. Um, one of them is Escape from Reason, which I really suggest you read. But this is back in the 60s, coming up the 60s. And he was a philosopher and theologian and this kind of thing. And he predicted where we are today with relative truth. He looked at the culture, what was happening in art, music, in our universities, and eventually in our churches at the time. I mean, it first came out in 1968. Um, he's going, man, there's going to be a time coming up, people, where we don't believe the antecedent is not true. There will be a time when you believe the Y chromosome does not make you male. Um, truth is more than perception. You can be blind and not see the sun, not perceive it. In that sense, it's still there. You can say all you want. It isn't, but that doesn't change the truth. Okay? Nowadays, well, that's truth for me. That's truth for you. That's the truth for dog. That's the truth for cats. That's the truth for... Uh, no. Okay? A belief or a statement is true in regards to its relationship to God's declaration to what a thing is. Let me put it this way. What is real and true is what's real and true from God's perspective. That's what counts. If we want to talk about perspective. Okay? Because first of all, our brains are corrupted by sin. Mine by old age. It's getting that way, right, Glenn? I fight it all the time. Okay? Statements or words used to relate to things in the world. So if I say to you, go sit in that chair. You're not going to sit in a C-H-A-I-R. That's a word. Represents a real thing that you can park yourself in. Okay? So all language is analogical. Please, I don't get, I won't spend a lot of time here. That is, words represent real things. So I'm sitting and talking to someone, and they're saying, well, there's no truth, that's your truth, and our truth. Wait a minute, we can't even have a conversation if there's no such thing as truth. The words we're saying, the things they represent, don't represent anything. So we just might as well sit there and go, blah, 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 blah. Literally, just say blah, 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 because apparently words have no meaning because there's, there's no truth. When I say chair, it doesn't mean chair, it means pig. Communication is only possible because there is truth. And the words we use represent those things. You can call that chair your cat if you want, but it will never fill the litter box. It's not going to happen. All right? A statement or a thing is not real, or a statement true, simply because there's electrical impulses buzzing around in your head. 
That does not what make the universe real is whether or not in your mind there's electrons bouncing around in there saying, yeah, I believe that's real. Now, I know this is a bit in the area of philosophy. What's that got to do with the church? Because today's world, it has to be. But this passage assumes, Christ assumes there's such a thing as truth. If you are my disciples, you remain in my word, and you will know the truth. That means telling me truth is knowable. There are those who argue you really couldn't talk about God at all. Some philosophers in the 20th century. Okay, you can talk, talk about God at all because words really can't describe God. We use the word infinite, eternal, and so on. Self-existent. But really, that, those are just our... Con- I agree. Don't argue that. But Jesus said the truth is knowable. So there has to be some degree degree to which that truth about God, about Him and His Word, is knowable. Okay? That truth that comes from abiding in the Word and being one of Christ's disciples will set you free. Not truth, generalized, will set you free. Your truth, how you perceive it, and how you might perceive that will set you free. No, it won't. I have actually heard this statement in that context. Well, when I finally realize my truth is my truth, and I have to conform to your truth, I've been set free. No, you, 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 you just put heavier chains on. That's all you, all you did, bigger shackles. So I have to ask this, though. Set free from what? Pretty basic question. Now, here's how... Those who, Jews that believed, this is what they said. They answered him, says, wait a minute, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved by anyone. How can you say you have become free? Now that statement, we know they have to be thinking of freedom in an inward sense because they are currently under the oppression and the rule of the Romans. And they've been over various Assyrians and Babylonians and all kinds of people over time. So we know they're not talking about physically because they know better. They're living it. So they're talking about some inward thing. They're assuming because of who their genealogy, offspring of Abraham, they're etern- internally free. Morally, uh, spiritually, whatever term you want to believe. That No, 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 we've never been captured by any of those. And Jesus says, boy, are you wrong. For the one who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, Paul says something generally the same in, in Romans chapter 6, 15 through 18. Okay? You are a slave to the one in whom you obey. Either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Okay? So that idea you are a slave to sin. I think if you've ever had an addiction, you really get it. And I, you can have an addiction to things that aren't physiological, and they say so you put it in your veins or put it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you realize how that entraps and enslaves. But all sin traps and enslaves. So, so if you think, think in this culture of their day, they had, I mean, I forget how many they say, but you know, one-third of the Roman Empire or something like this were slaves. Some, I forget the number. It's huge of how much of their culture was slaves. And when they said jump, you said how high? 
When, they, when, when the owner said go, you said where? So bec- when you obey them, that shows that they're the master. This, this analogy is given. When you're obeying that sin, it's your boss. If you're obeying righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word, He's your boss, if I could say it that way. Okay? Um, and what's interesting, he added before that, truly, truly, amen, amen. It is so, let me tell you, it is so that when you commit sin, you're a slave to it. You're obeying it. And you thought you were in charge. We'll come back to that. Then Jesus says in verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you are freed indeed. Let me put it another way. Sonship is permanent. And you have Galatians 4, 5 through 7, John 10, 37 through 30, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Okay? A true son, an authentic son, is always a son. Compared to one who is a son by name only, nominal. A believer by name only. Indeed, he uses the word indeed. That's a reality, a fact in point. This freedom that comes by knowing that truth, the truth of God's word, of Christ's word, and being his disciples. When it sets you free, it's a set fact. Free from what? Well, the thing you're enslaved to, sin. Now, remember earlier he said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. So connected with this slavery to sin is also slavery to death. But when, I, when the Son has set you free, the freedom he was just talking about, that the truth of following him and being in his word, abiding in his word, that freedom is absolute. Indeed. Then we get in some things that I would reflect this way. Falsehood in comparison to the truth he spoke. In verse 37, Jesus says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Remember, they brought that up. We're not a slave to anything. Okay. Yet you seek to kill me. They haven't done this yet. He knows where their heart is going to go. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, they wanted to do that. And earlier when he's talking just to the crowd, you want to kill me, he's addressing, and the crowd goes, we don't want to. Where'd you get that from? And then they recognized later in chapter 7 there that it was the scribes and Pharisees. Now Jesus is addressing what people? Those Jews who believed in him, he's looking at them and telling them, you seek to kill me. And they're, because, why do they seek to kill him? Because my words finds no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my Father. And you do, no, do not, you do what you have heard from your Father. 
Okay. Yes, I know you're Abraham's seed genetically. Uh, you seek to kill me because my words really aren't in you. I speak to you, these words that aren't in you, what I have seen my father speak. Okay. And you do what you've heard your father speak. They answered him, wait a minute, we just said, my bad, Abraham's our father. Weren't you listening? Jesus said to them, if, oh, another one of those conditional ifs, you were Abraham's children, you would be doing. Now in this next, these two verses here, 39 and 40, be doing, did, and did. Okay, You would be doing the works Abraham did. What is he talking about? God said, do this. Go sacrifice your boy. And what did Abraham do? He did what the father had said. The word of God, he obeyed. But now you seek to kill me. Second time he says that. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God this is not what Abraham did. You, you claim to be Abraham's seed. You say that you're not enslaved to one inside and who you are, but you claim physical connection to Abraham. Well, if you're really free inside, it's not a physical connection you have. It's something else. You would be listening to what God says if you were truly free inside an Abraham seed. You are doing, oh, there's that doing again, the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. So you're not of Abraham's seed because you'd be doing what he did. Instead, you're doing what your father did. Wait a minute. You're saying we're illegitimate here. Okay. They believe, they believe that God is their father in that spiritual sense. Jesus says, no way. you got a different father. Well, wait a minute. God's the father of us all. Only in one sense that he created mankind, that he rules the universe. But not everybody is God their father in the sense of the one they listen to. Another if statement, Jesus says, verse 42, if God would your father, listen, you would love me. Now wait, stop, wait a minute. You were talking about abiding in and listening to what God said through you, Jesus, what you'd seen the Father, and, and what you heard from God. Now you bring up this love me thing? This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's unchanging word.